This episode of the Nerdball Podcast is brought to you by Fort Meg's CrossFit and the Fort Meg's CrossFit Studios. I appreciate them using, letting me use their space. Um, if you want to find any information about them, all the classes they have, they got classes seven days a week for all ages, all skill levels, check out fortmegscrossfit.com. My guest today is a musician, filmmaker, uh, my brother-in-law. He's been around uh, doing a lot of stuff, a lot of music, a lot of films. We talk a little bit about uh, pizza, uh, nerd out section, all kinds of pizza, um, pizza reviews, frozen pizza, uh, food. So we, it's a lot of nerding out about food and pizza, which is good. Uh, then we get into the reason he's here is to talk about his documentary that I just saw uh, last week. It was an excellent documentary. You can find all the information because he is going to have two more shows later on this, uh, later on in March. He'll have two more shows uh, for the public. It's a great show. I say it in the podcast that you, when you see Link to Buy Tickets, uh, I think you should go. Uh, it's, it's an awesome show and it's going to sell out, so make sure you get tickets early. And uh, it's at a great place. Uh, Levi Lilac and Mommy uh, in the Listening Loft up there. They have a theater now for, to show this. Uh, they got a bunch of shows there too, uh, a bunch lined up for next year. But uh, go early, um, get a burger, get some drinks. Those burgers are awesome there. Uh, but it's a good time. So, um, without further ado, here's my guest. I'm Jake Galuski, and this is the Nerdball Podcast. The Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. Awesome. All right, Jake, uh, thanks for coming on my podcast. You know, I, I say whoever's on, I say thanks for coming on my podcast every time, but I don't know how else to, like, how else would you start a, <laughs> the podcast? You know what I mean? Here we are. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I Because I, I, I am <laughs> thankful that people want to come on a podcast. Well, that's nice of you. <laughs> um, so, Jake, uh, before there's, I think there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Uh, main thing about your documentary that came out that we got to see and everything. Yeah. But the first thing that I always ask is, what is something that you've been nerding out about lately? Something you're really into? Something that gets you away from your work? Um, that you can just, you know, if it's books, movies, TV show, cooking, you know, a sport you're playing, something. But something that you're just into lately. Um, so normally I have a hard time answering this because. Since a lot of my work is from home, I'm yeah. always distracted by work. <laughs> and I feel like, uh, like much like this, this is, takes a lot of my time, but it's a hobby. I think I would classify your work as work, but you also, like, it started as a hobby, right? Music? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I pretty much just trying to find ways to monetize all of my hobbies, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> which is a great way to live. It keeps every day interesting. But yeah, I actually yeah. do have one now. Okay, all right. Um, I don't know if it's good for physical health but it's delicious uh i've been going down the rabbit hole the barstool sports uh the the one bite pizza reviews yeah yeah <laughs> and so i'll be like i'll just turn one of these on because i got like 10 minutes before i need to start doing something and then a half hour later i've watched six pizza <laughs> reviews um like what do you get out of it like I, it's weird uh, i don't know um i think i just like pizza <laughs> okay, okay and so i'm like all right i'll see. and the guy's funny i mean he Portnoy? Yeah, Portnoy. Yeah. He's funny. I don't agree with everything that he says, but I mean, that's yeah. kind of the point. He's got an opinion, and that's all it is. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but I just get so fascinated. Like, sometimes, I mean, he did a whole series, because I just started watching him ever since he came and did Village Idiot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think Inkies and Home Slice mm-hmm. and Stubborn Brother. Okay. Which, I never even heard of Stubborn Brother's Pizza yeah. until, like, he did that. Oh, oh, so yeah, I've been, 
Amanda and I go there. My wife, uh, her and I go. We were go there every other week because okay. you get pizza by the slice for okay. four bucks, and oh. it's a big New York s- slice. Yeah. And then if you're hungry, you just order another slice. Yeah. Uh, usually you're not hungry after one, <laughs> or we'll split the third one. Um, but and it would always be like a handful of people in there when we'd go at 11 a.m. on a Saturday or Sunday. And ever since he <laughs> <laughs> put it on a bar stool, yeah, it's just. Shut I mean, up. I think I think they're kind of over that uh, craze right now because um, it's just been so busy when we've gone in there and to where I'm like, we should probably wait till this dies down because mm-hmm. that just. And I talked to one of the owners and he's like, the problem is we're understaffed for the amount of volume that came through the door ever okay. since that coverage. Yeah, but he's like, but you can't necessarily uh, staff it just for that and then when that's over fire a bunch of people yeah yeah that's not it's probably not fair to anybody no so all, all the staff's like no we'll just work extra we'll make more money yeah it's we'll just consider it like fourth quarter in retail at christmas time you know and and be happy you know that we had the business when it was there but yeah, yeah definitely spread the word for them i love it i mean that's the thing you watch pizza reviews and then the only thing that sounds good for lunch or dinner is pizza then <laughs> that's why i think i've eaten more pizza in the past two months than i have in many years <laughs> so do you watch does that because I, I know YouTube algorithms are what they are. Does it lead you into other types of food reviews at all, or do you just you stay on your lane? Not, yeah, not really. I mean, I watch a lot of like, I watch different cooking characters on YouTube mm-hmm. at times to get ideas for stuff. Um, and I say get ideas most of the time. We end up just watching it, never make anything <laughs> that they make. <laughs> well, well, sometimes they make it very <laughs> difficult when you need like the specialized ingredient from the Amazon rainforest. You know, like. Yep. How- <laughs> Yeah. yeah, how are we going to do that? Well, they, they, were, they say that. And it's, there's also uh, Sam, the cooking guy. He, uh, I guess he was a host for like a Canadian show at yeah. one point. And okay. so we've watched him for years. And he's got 15, 20-minute episodes. I mean, this has essentially become a big part of his income. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he lives in San Diego, so of course he can always cook out on his patio. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, but he also has, I think, two restaurants that he opened up right before the pandemic hit. So. Nice. But it's part of like a food court kind of thing. So he just, so we'll watch that. And like there was one episode because he gets random ingredients all the time. Uh, but one of which he was making, I think, some kind of, I think it was like tequila chicken or something. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no alcohol by the time you throw it on a hot grill, but you get the certain flavor from the agave. And he, and he just, he's very blatant and up front. And he's just like, now, normally I give you a replacement for certain ingredients. He's like, so some people, you know, that want to abstain from alcohol, don't even want to have it around the house, right? Yeah. He's like, so let me tell you right now, you cannot use tequila, and it's not going to taste anything like what I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> That's his replacement. He's like, because there's a certain thing that happens when alcohol burns oh, okay. that you can't replicate that flavor yeah. any other way. He's like, maybe like, you know, some rotten vinegar or something. <laughs> And I was like, rot? Ew. I'm like, I don't think, because I'm like, that, you're just implying that alcohol and rotten vinegar are one and the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's moments like that. But yeah, I would say food shows, but definitely the Barstool Sports uh, pizza reviews. And yeah. like I said, they, they, I mean, there's there's one the other day we watched, and, and Amanda heard me laughing out loud. Like, actually, LOL. Yeah. Because <laughs> people type that all that. the time, right? No, people say it all the time. I'm like, you're quiet, and you're typing that on your phone. You're well, not laughing out loud. <laughs> well, Lillian, Lillian has a watch, a Gizmo watch, and it's very like uh, basic. Like you can't do a lot of stuff. You can only program so many numbers. You can't even text it. It's like pre-programmed list of words you can type out. And, but she can audio text. So uh, she sent one. She sent one to Andrew. I forget what she said, but she said whatever she said. And at the end, she goes, "LOL," because she can't type it out. She has to say it. So she said, "LOL." 
See, that makes me laugh out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like laughing by myself watching it. And Amanda's like, what's so funny? I was like, the review he just gave. You got to come see this. It was only three minutes. It was a, uh, it was in Cleveland, I think. Yeah. And he said, there's a three hour, you have to order your pizza three hours in advance. Otherwise, you're just going to wait and wait and wait. Yeah. He said, it's one of the most popular places. I forgot the name of it. Edison Pizza Company, maybe. Okay. And he's like, I expect this to be over an eight. Like, he never gives pizza pretty much over like a seven five unless it's just the best that he's ever had. Yeah. He'll never give a 10. He's like, cause how do you beat a 10? If something comes along I and mean, you have to break your own scale. So, oh, true. Yeah. You know, and I say, yeah, that's a good way to think, but he's like, this has got to be an eight. If it's three hours that you have to order this thing, oh, he no. opens it up and he's like, this looks like Domino's. And <laughs> mind you, Domino's is great, but like, you, he's but going you know to what like, you're getting. Yeah. At Domino's, right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And he's a, I mean, he loves New York style pizza, which is the thin and crispy and yeah. chewy. And so he's like, this looks like Domino's. He's like, I better bite into this, and this better be an eight. And he bites. <laughs> and you have all these people that are fans of the place just like surrounding watching him yeah, do this. Yeah. Like, so what do you think? What do you think? He just looks at the camera so disappointed. He's like, this place has to be a front or something. <laughs> He's like, this is a 5-2. <laughs> really? <laughs> then wow. he just like plops it down on his plate. <laughs> Oh. So there's moments like that, sure. And I'm like, you know, again, it's going to guys' opinion. I don't think that's going to kill the business. Yeah. If you know, I don't think they went from a three hour wait to three minute wait. But yeah, well, it's much like the other way too. Like, it could, it could, it's going to like for Stubborn Brothers. I never heard of it, but I'm sure there's a lot of people. Like, there isn't a lot of people like me that have not heard of it. Right. Same thing with him. Like, yes, he gave it a five two, but there's still a bunch of people that like it, and they're like, well, yeah, whatever. But I still like it. Yeah. So. Oh well, yeah, because he he, he loves Stubborn Brother, but he didn't love Village Idiot. I'm like, but he only tries cheese pizzas. Village Idiot's known for all their crazy toppings. Mm, okay. So, which I agree with the sentiment: a good pizza starts with good crust, good sauce, and good cheese. And really, I think that's probably the if you're gonna review pizzas, that's probably the best way to do it because yeah. it's pretty much all the same. Then, yep. as opposed to like, oh well, our peppers are like this, or our pepperoni is this kind of pepperoni. Like it's it'll be all different that Absolutely. way. Then. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was just cheese. Yeah, just cheese. But okay, just watch one of, or two of his reviews because he always says everybody knows the rule: one bite. Yeah, and he takes fourteen bites. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, dude, he ate the whole piece, <laughs> or you like left just the corner of the crust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I wonder how that evolved. I wonder if you go to the first one, if it was truly one bite, and then after a while it was. Like, I don't know. Or or is it one bite? Because I, I don't know. I, I think I've watched the the ones from around here when he was here. Yeah. Is it one bite? He gives a rating, and then he eats more. Or or he, does, he almost uh, you see him contemplating the whole time, and he'll okay. chew like four or five bites before he gives a rating. Okay, all right. And add commentary, and of course people stop by and try to either steal a slice or they take a picture with him yeah yeah but <laughs> yeah i always i always thought that was funny too. you know there's one bite and then i'm gonna take four bites and yeah then, and, and now he's got a one bite pizza uh brand in i think it's walmart freezer section has it really yeah and i'm like hmm first of all he doesn't like frozen pizza to begin with so now he's got a frozen pizza because obviously endorsement whatever but, yeah, yeah but i was like that's so strange because there's no way that's going to be that good and it doesn't even look good yeah and i'm like what what's your favorite fro- now they're talking about frozen pizza? What's your favorite frozen pizza? Because you, ha- I mean, you as as much as like it's like oh frozen pizza. I mean, we probably have that once a week because we have oh, children, right? Well, and it's I mean it's still pizza. I have never met a pizza I like yeah, hated. Sure, you know? sure. <laughs> yeah, I even like hot pockets and they're terrible. Oh, I but, love hot pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're awful. But I but I still like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would say I I used to say bagel bites, but those are good. Yeah, but they changed like over the year. Now the sauce just kind of tastes like. 
Nothing. One step away from ketchup. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. It's kind of strange. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really, uh, I like a good Jack's pizza. Yeah. Cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, price is always a, a thing now. Like, yeah. whenever there's a, a sale on, like, like Admire used to have, like, five for five or something, you know, I, I get all those. Because the kids, no matter what, if we can't figure out dinner, we'll just throw pizza in. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's probably Jack's or uh, we had Tombstone recently, and I was like, this is pretty good. Yeah. I never understood the DiGiorno craze. I like it because I like thick pizza. Though. Yeah. Well, That's that makes sense. Like yeah. Yeah. But it was. But it's like, they're expensive. Well, even years ago, they were expensive, and I was like, if I'm paying that much, somebody else is going to cook it for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm just going to get delivery pizza. <laughs> we used to get uh, this pizza called Home Run. Home Run Inn. How was that? I think it was really good. I think we had it too much that so we kind of burned ourselves out. Yeah. But it was very good. We liked that. I do want to try the croissant crust pizzas they have. From DiGiorno. Uh, I do uh, want to yeah, try that. I want to yeah. try those. Um, but I have, I have not because I don't know if my kids are going to like it. And pretty much whenever we're planning meals, is will the kids eat it? And then, <laughs> then we can plan this meal. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh but yeah, I uh that's that's normally what we go to. Um Aldi Aldi has the uh stuffed crust, which oh, I yeah. love stuffed crust. And it doesn't matter any My favorite obviously is Pizza Hut. That's yeah. my favorite stuffed crust pizza. But um Well they're the ones that created, aren't they? Yeah. 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 I I love that. Andrea never really ate it. Um so whenever she doesn't go out of town for work anymore, but when she would, I that's what I'd get because no one else would eat it but me. <laughs> so I'd always get it. The kids would go to bed because I've said it here a lot of times, but we do this thing called secret dinner where after the kids go to bed, then Andrew and I order food from somewhere. <laughs> uh, so I would do that. But now the kids know, and, but they don't really say anything. Like they know when we don't eat dinner with them, they ask like, well, what are you guys going to get later? <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I would all do the th- things you don't like. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So I would do that when Andrew was out of town and order a large, large uh, stuffed crust pizza with banana peppers, extra sauce. Because mm. Andrew doesn't like a lot of sauce either. <sighs> I That's love my favorite sauce. part. I know. I, if I could, I would say, give me extra sauce and then put the cheese and all the toppings and then put more sauce on top of it. Yeah. Like, I love sauce. I don't know why. but Oh, no. I, I'm with you. That's well, why that's, I, I like tomato pies. Uh, that's tomato like, pies? That's uh, Yeah, one of the original pizzas was a tomato pie. They still make them, I think, in New Jersey and Rhode mm-hmm. Island. Um, it's where it's almost cheeseless pizza, where it's a nice semi-thick crust, just a lot of sauce, and then it's just Parmesan over top. Oh, really? Sauce. Yeah, it's delicious. Wow. Just a mouthful Tomato of sauce pie. and yeah. bread. That sounds perfect. <laughs> um, well, uh, I love, I love like, um, I like grocery shopping, yeah. and um, I always try to find deals and stuff, and that's why, I like, we always have um, how many, how many, how long has it been since you had a. Uh, um, what ah, what are those little pizza things called? I always forget. I forget now. Pizza rolls. Yeah, pizza rolls. If it was not for our in laws, yeah. I because they're the only time I have pizza rolls when they throw them in for like a football game or yeah, something. If it wasn't yeah. for them, I would say honestly I haven't had them since I was probably in junior high. Really? Yeah, yeah. we get those too. I usually buy them when they're on sale just because yeah. another easy thing, and the kids don't mind. I hate putting frozen food in the microwave, but the kids they don't mind, and it's a lot easier just to be done in five minutes as opposed to waiting forty. You yeah. Know? But I, I'd much rather like I, I'll put a hot pocket in the oven if I have time. Yeah. I just like stuff in the oven a well, lot better. Yeah, but, it's a lot better. Yeah, but they they're kids and they'll eat they'll eat it all wet and. And floppy, because <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> that's what happens. I mean, yeah. I, uh, oh. Although, although hot pockets did give you that sleeve that yeah. keep it crisp. I don't know if it works. Same with the bagel bites. Either. No, they do. It crisps up. Does it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's that's the thing with a lot of stuff, like especially pizza rolls. Some you get a cold center. The other ones are hotter than lava. Yeah, and yeah. then like the entire interior of my mouth, the first layer of skin's gone, <laughs> and the whole thing becomes a blister. 
<laughs> miserable. There was a, a famous comedian that would talk about food all the time, and he had a bit about hot pockets. God, what is his name? He's he's like the most one of the most famous comedians. I can't think of his name right now, but he would talk about hot pockets, and he was like, "Could you imagine going to a restaurant and be like?" Uh, we have the uh, hot pocket. Uh, he goes, is that served? How is that served? It can be uh, frozen in the middle or boiling lava hot. <laughs> and it's never consistent through the whole thing. No, no. And then he talked about when they first introduced breakfast hot pockets. He goes, hot pockets, congratulations. You're about, you're about to call in sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Also true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's those all those little things. Like before we had kids, like I never... I never ate that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like once kids came, once we had kids and we're like, oh man, we get to like eat these cool <laughs> foods again. All over again. We can like, we can totally do it before kids, but we just never did it. <laughs> so now that you said that, uh, I need to retry because it's been probably 20 years uh, since I've had the school pizza. Oh yeah, yeah. And they have, they have them at Gordon's. Uh, oh, do they? You can buy them. I mean, I think you have to buy them by like a pack of 24. Sure. But still... Well, Mike. if you don't like them, I know a couple kids that will. Right. <laughs> yeah, and they'll microwave it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan, by the way. That's who Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's been around a long time. I, had, I just Googled Hot Pocket Comedian. And that, <laughs> that's what wow. came up. <laughs> that'll, that'll be on his uh, headstone someday. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, I appreciate the pizza talk, but the one of the main reasons you came on here is last week, uh, Tuesday, right? Yeah. Last Tuesday, yeah. Uh, you had... Your you filmed your documentary, which um, which I was a part of the original um, show. Yeah, the original um, show was March eighth, twenty twenty two. So we're coming up on a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is awesome. I think we we talked about that too. Yep, uh, it was a lot of fun. I was anxious to see how much I was in it. Not that I mean I didn't care, but uh, I'm always interested in seeing how people like because I know how I make this. It's kind of simple. Um, but I'm interested in to see like, well, what do you use or how do you use it? And then you sent me a script over to like help narrate. And I was really interested in that. And I learned that, uh, I know this probably isn't how it works all the time. I know sometimes I learned if I, whatever I was talking over, if I would have seen that, I might've said it a little bit different. Um, but that's yeah. why I gave you like two options. One kind of like a little more cheery and one not as cheery for, for all those things I talked about. But, uh, I turned to Andrea and like my first one, I forget what it was, how I said it. But it may remind me of that that Vine video where it's like, hi, I'm Kyle, and my life is kind of crazy. I was like, Andrea, I sound just like that guy right now. Oh, yeah, the first one, it says, all right. Yes. Like, let's stop. That's yeah. me, Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah. I host my own Nerdball podcast, or my own podcast, the Nerdball podcast. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was well, I want to say thank you, because it was fun, and yeah. it was it was fun to do knowing what it was going to be in, but it was also fun to see it at the end. Like, oh man, that's me. That's pretty cool. Cause I'd never been in a movie or anything before, yeah. you know? So it was, it was neat. And, and you the, opened the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing was, was awesome. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, Andrew and I both thought like there would be like, I thought it was going to be more about that night mm-hmm. in particular. So when I saw like the trailer that you put out, I'm like, oh, it's not just about that. So it was really cool to, to just like broaden this thing and I know you enough to be like, well, I should have known it wasn't just going to be about that and him. It was going to be about mostly about everybody else and a little <laughs> bit about him. You know? right. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I mean, that's what happened. We <clears throat> we didn't really have a plan from the beginning. I said, just shoot everything um, film-wise. Yeah. Gotta, <laughs> we're not going hunting. <laughs> um, yeah, just shoot every, every, every bit of footage that you can because yeah. um, that's... 
Because initially, yeah, we we just wanted to put out a live concert uh, show, and then I'm like, yeah, maybe we'll do a documentary to explain why people should watch this thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't have five million followers, so um, and then once we started thinking, okay, well, kind of the process of how that show happened started with you know, as well as the documentary explains, I called upon this thing that we had already built called the Day Drinkers, yeah, and those guys, you know. I, sent them songs and they learned everything for one rehearsal and then we had a show that we played and so you had a trusty network of people a trusty community that already supported a lot of what we were doing and so you just kind of move that into all right we're gonna do a release show uh with my music and um but i'm like but it all happened because day drinkers pre-covid and then covid happened made us change the way we did a lot of things that's what brought me and uh megan and sean the owners of levi lilacs together um because I played there, I think, once at their establishment before COVID. Uh-huh. But during COVID, I mean, they started coming when I was playing at Cinco on the patio. And they were just like, hey, let's pick your brain. We sat around the fire a lot of times at our house and just threw ideas back and forth. Because we were all just in like, all right, time to get creative. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, survival mode was like, yeah, I mean, I went did the retail thing. But in order to move forward with what we were doing, it couldn't move forward the same way it was before. Mm-hmm. So. That's what I, to me, I was like, that's the more interesting universal story is bringing all, everybody that was involved into it and telling more of the bigger picture. And then the byproduct was the release show. <laughs> yeah. The, the culmination of that was that night. Yeah. Whatever, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think to, um, like you're saying the reason that happened is because all these other people, um, but you're like the, the center of that, right? Like it, yeah. it wouldn't have happened without you, obviously. Yeah. D- does that make you trying these things a little easier knowing like this there's this community behind you like not even like well i'm gonna go play at this restaurant obviously all you need is the permission from the you know to be hired by that restaurant (laughs) right right? (laughs) but to to embark on this like well i have this idea to really have a release show like is there any i'm sure there's some a little like some nerves of of thinking like are people gonna show up to this thing you know, and obviously there was enough because you had three shows. Yeah. But are people going to show up to this thing? And then after that, are people going to come watch this thing that they already know? Like, <laughs> right. you know, it, to me, it's like nerve wracking to, to you don't want it to you don't want it to flop to your audience. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, I was confident we'd at least be able to sell one show uh-huh. from the original release, um, especially because. I have, I mean, a lot of the bars and restaurants I play at as a soloist, people are really like, you, you can you can play more of your original stuff here. You don't have to do all covers. And I'll throw an original here and there. But, I mean, that album, I wanted a lot of people to hear it live for the first time with a full band. Yeah. And because it just doesn't sound the same with one person playing it. Because uh, a lot of those songs were big production kind of stuff. And uh, so by not people not being able to hear it live all the time, but I was teasing it for about six months with music videos I'd released for yeah. all the singles. And so people are like, man, I love these songs. I can't wait to hear them live. But I spent six months promoting that aspect of it, still without having a full plan of how we were going to do a show. Yeah. But the anticipation was there, and it didn't hurt, obviously, uh, that the Day Drinkers already has a built-in crowd anyway. Mm -hmm. So once people knew that that was my core band behind playing the songs, they were just like, oh, we get to go see the Day Drinkers play all these songs. Yeah, at night. But in a different setting mm-hmm. that nobody's played in in town, um, and it's going to be all these songs we've been wanting to hear live that Jake refuses to play live. <laughs> Not <laughs> refuses, but I can't put a nine piece band in my regular yeah. gigs all the time. You know, 
or well, that, most of the time. Well, that and you you're you're playing to, for the people, right? The people want yeah. to hear certain things, and you know, in a bar or restaurant, I yeah. mean, they didn't buy a ticket, so you're trying to keep them there to eat more, or drink more, or just have a good time yeah. on a Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or whatever night that I play. So. Yeah, you know, and I didn't know too until I saw the documentary um, that. Uh, you you I know you had one rehearsal, but you didn't even get through the whole thing. No. It said so. No. So you're g- going the next day or whatever, next week or whatever it was. Two days later, yeah, <laughs> and playing this show, and you haven't even rehearsed all the songs with everybody. No, that that was I think the most <laughs> terrifying part because everybody put in the work, but some of the guys were late getting there the day of, and then we had somebody say I had to leave early, and I was just like, God. oh, all right, all right, let's make this happen. Yeah. And and mind you. We have a process now because we've done so many shows up there, not only our band, but with for other artists. But we have a whole process now. We didn't have a process because this was the first time we had done anything yeah. like this. So we're we're learning the logistics as we're also learning the songs. And so the night of the show, we just kind of like, well, fingers crossed. <laughs> you wung it. Yeah. Yeah. Wung. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, sounds terrifying, first of all. Oh, yeah. It was awful. Um, <laughs> and... It's it's one thing to be like, hey, we're gonna rehearse this thing. There's three of us, but there's nine people there. <laughs> um, and you're right because the logistics of it. If you if you just look when you walk in and look to see where everything was placed, all these cords, everything going on. There's computer over here. There's a camera here. Like there's so much bullshit there, man. <laughs> it looks like it. I know it's all for something, right? Yeah. But uh, like, well, it looks more like a TV set than it does a concert. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then the, yeah, the big light rack and everything. Like yep. it looks super professional. But to know to to hear you say like yeah we 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 kind of just had to like go with the flow I'm like holy crap man <laughs> oh yeah and like I mean I don't think we could have just done it with anybody that it goes back to the core the core of the group was day yeah. drinkers and so those guys I mean we already have an established trust among each other and they're all really talented musicians even the people that we brought in that aren't part of the day drinkers are you know top notch musicians yeah. so. And I told everybody, I said, feel free to have music stands in front of you. Take any notes you need to because, you know, as I always reference the MTV Unplugged series of the early 90s, they all had music stands like because it feels more like an orchestra. Yeah. You know, and so I said, they all have music stands. I'm like, that's okay. I mean, even on a handful of different concert uh, videos I've seen from even like acts like John Mayer, Taylor Swift, they have a monitor with their lyrics on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, because there's a lot of pressure when you're putting on a actual recorded performance so you don't want to flub it up so it's like having like a teleprompter essentially (laughs) well that's that's always when i see you play at a restaurant and you have your ipad up there and you're like playing on the piano and then you're like scrolling down because you need to get more lyrics (laughs) i think it's so fun to like see you try to do all that scroll up real quick and then and then i try to think like well some of those like if you just flick it, it just keeps going forever. Like right. you got to be like real careful on how you do stuff. But I, I, uh, I get it too. Cause even then at the restaurant, you still want to put on a good show. You still want to like, you know, not half, half ass your way through it. Right. People, I'm the reason you're, you're scrolling is because someone requested that song yep. and you don't know all the words. Right. So you want it to still have an yeah. experience for some, for other people. Yeah. And I still try to do the whole like eye contact thing with people. So I'm not just staring into the screen, like into the abyss. Because there's some artists I see that just look at the screen the whole time. Yeah. And I'm like, that would just seem so isolating <laughs> to just like stare at a screen while you're performing for yeah. a room of people. So. My, my, when you when you said eye contact, the story popped in my head when Mateo, <clears throat> Mateo was going door to door to get donations for the American Heart Association for school. And we told him he needed to 
have eye contact. Like he, he, yes, you can read from your paper, but also make sure you lift your head up every once in a while. So we were practicing and I think I got one on film cause we were putting it on Facebook, you know, for people to donate on the internet, but to let people know like, Hey, he's still going door to door and stuff. So we were in our house, he has this paper and he's like, hi, I am Mateo. I attend Woodland Elementary. <laughs> I, and then he starts going more and more, but it's, I was like, well, you're, I mean, you made eye contact. Yeah. That's good, man. We just got to like make it a little smoother transition there, buddy. <laughs> Hard cut. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was so funny That's to me. perfect. Yeah. Well, he's getting started early. Yeah. You know, yeah. Schools, school presentations and all that stuff are in his future. <laughs> yeah. We did, he did have a book uh, presentation he had to do, and it was like two weeks ago, and we keep asking him if he got his grade yet, and he's like, I haven't looked, I haven't looked. And my, I'm like... Did he get it and it's just not good? So he doesn't want us to hear about it or what? Because he waited till the last day. He's like working on this thing. I mean, he only had a, it was like a, I think one to two minutes he had to talk uh, or something like that. And so he's like timing himself. He's like, Dad, it's 45 seconds. That's good enough. I go, Bud, they said one to two minutes. You got to at least make it a minute, you know, because you're going to talk up to be a lot faster. So he, he had to like write some more or whatever. I go, Don't wait till the last minute, man. Like, you, how long have you had this? Was, I don't know. Probably, probably at least two weeks, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, don't just just work on your stuff, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll play video games later. <laughs> I mean, I was totally that kid. That's why. Oh yeah, that's why yeah. it's funny to me that I'm so like organized and plan so much in advance now because I was. I mean, even in college, we'd have to get the one assignment at the beginning of the semester. And we're like, now this isn't due the end of the semester. Yes. I'm like, all right, sweet. And like two days before it's due. All right, I guess we had to do this. Like now. I had this for three months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never fails for sure. <laughs> uh, but but back to to your to your movie. Did you know ex- like when you decided like I'm going to do this movie? Um, did you know how it, like I guess how far in the process were you were you done with? It's going to be like this. Like we're going to talk about the day drinkers, and we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about this. And- um, yeah, because when we shot the first show, uh, I like I said, it was just going to be a concert. Um, and then I'm like, well. Yeah, because that's what I thought, too, yeah. that it was just going to be about that. Yeah. And then I was just like, you know, let's do some more interviews. Let's do some more. Like, and, and one of the days, because we, we shot most of the interviews um, leading up to the second and third show. Uh-huh. We did the back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday shows in May, uh, just a couple months after the first show. And, and I was like, eh, can, can everybody, since we were doing back-to-back, I said, well, that means we only have to set up once, tear down once, but we get two shows out of it. So yeah. can everyone get there early on that Wednesday since we're already set up? And sound checked from the day before. Everybody get there early, and so we can do interviews. Um, and so we asked them. I mean, we asked all sorts of questions because again, I didn't have the actual direction we were going. I mean, so. But once I started reviewing some of the footage and some of the interviews, I started going. You know, maybe the story really is about like, all right, we'll still talk about you know the album release, which is how the documentary opens mm-hmm. um, and closes, <laughs> um, but. The it just all started taking shape when I was listening to everybody's answers on things and starting compiling all this different footage and going, you know, maybe it's about more than the concert, uh, especially because at this point, you know, two years had gone by since the initial shutdown, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, you know, a lot of the a lot of the documentaries I really enjoy are the ones that somehow make it at least somewhat relatable, or the story is bigger than just this one incident. Like even like a true crime series, they pull you in with like talking about all the supporting characters they give you all the different suspects it's not just one heinous act it's yeah. usually like this whole thing surrounding it sometimes it's the the town that they're in and that builds 
a lot of that. Like, what was that one, uh, Making a Murderer with Brandon Dassey and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And because that was, I mean, the town itself pretty much played a huge yes. character in that, and that made it really intriguing. You're just like, wait, people actually live like this? Yeah. This is so strange. Um, so to me, I was just like, you know, I think this will be more interesting for people who have no idea what my music is or who am I if we actually tell a bigger story. Mm-hmm. And that was just, like I said in the documentary, especially because we're at a day and age where a lot of people are disconnected. They might have 5 million followers on social media, but like then you get a documentary that's out there about how some of those people just like lose sight of just community in general because mm-hmm. they've got 5 million people that follow what they're doing. And yet they're like some of the loneliest people, yeah, you know, out there because they're disconnected in real life <laughs> and only connected virtually. And so I was like, it'd be kind of neat, you know, to remind people that you can do things in your own community um, on a smaller scale that might, you know, be something that's a bigger scale in the long run, um, or just influence somebody, you know, twenty oh. years younger than me that's doing music. Like, hey, you know, one of the biggest things I. I talked about in documentary, talk about it here, that so many of what I do goes back to my fandom of pro wrestling. And so once upon a time, like pro wrestling at its height was in the late 80s and late 90s, but all those guys that made it so big is because they spent years and years in what was called territories before it was a national organization. They were in these little pockets, territories all throughout the country. And once you got big enough in those territories, then, all right, now you get to go to the big national thing. And so it's like, that to me, I'm like, if you can prove your worth as an artist in your own territory and you get a following that way, then it's more, all right, now I've got the uh, experience to go to another city mm-hmm. and I've already fine-tuned rather than, hey, this is my first time you know, playing on stage, so I'm going to go tour the country and just like ruin myself. <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> That happened with a lot of like the American Idol and voice people. Like they, they're really, really good naturally, but they have zero stage experience. Not, I mean, there's some that have plenty and of years going, of it. And you're going from a bar to these big places. Or some right? not even some not even a bar. have done a bar. Yeah. Some of them yeah. actually just like, hey, I've, that's a natural talent that I, you know, sang at some school recitals. Yeah. And then they just shoot them to the moon on a rocket, <laughs> and then without any experience, and then, and then they're terrified, and then a lot of times they just fold over. So it was just like, all right, but I mean, I think just aside from the entertainment industry, as you know, being a coach. Um, being involved in so many things in the community, mm-hmm. uh, that that's a there's a huge return on investment with that yeah, oh, <laughs> when you sure. can be part of a community. And we have this community, but it's like not everybody has that. So to be able to tell that, I figured that could be a more inspiring story. Uh, and you, like you and I talked, I think in one of the one of the last podcasts you had me on, um, where you said, you know, it's neat that everybody wants to do something overnight, but sometimes it's really neat if you tell people a story about how you stuck to something and something yeah. panned out over time. Yeah. And so I said, so maybe it'll be inspirational if nothing else, <laughs> if people watch it hey, and not yeah. making it overly specific to where, well, if I don't know this band and their music, then I don't care. Yeah. Like, so it was more about everything that led up to that. Do you think that made it, uh, producing the film a little easier? Yeah. Um, uh, because a big thing for me, I mean, cause I love just filmmaking in general and, I think a great documentary should feel like a film in the sense that its pacing uh, should be specific to, all right, we're still telling a story. We still have to like get to a point. There still needs to be ebbs and flows, and you need to take a roller coaster of emotions, and so you need a little bit of comedy. You need a little bit of heartstrings pulled. You, know? you need all that, but there still needs to be multiple acts, um, just like there are in movies, uh, to get you there. 
and I've always been a bigger fan of writing and filmmaking way before I ever got into music. So yeah. that's all clearly comes across in a lot of my work. Um, but yeah, I mean, between your narration that it, you know, I jotted down, um, and getting the footage together, like I could start to see, I made kind of an outline and go, all right, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. And then sometimes something organically would go, Oh, you know what? We're going to go this route yeah. <laughs> now because that's where the story is telling me to go. And it also made sure that I didn't spend too much time on one thing. Um, because I was also trying to shoot for about an hour. Because I was like, yeah, I could do an uncut and it'll be two, two and a half hours. <laughs> but aside from like a handful of people <laughs> that are going to watch it, most people would like, be lucky to get an hour out of them. Yeah. Um, and if we can tell a really good story in an hour, then I think we did exactly what we needed to do. And so that's what it is. It's just like every, there's multiple chapters in the documentary and it just kind of tells these big stories, but in a micro version to where you're getting just enough, but you're not feeling rushed through everything. Some movies put too much <laughs> like into a story yeah. and then and you just feel like you never had time to get into any of it. The Elvis movie did that, I think. Did they? I yeah. say, because sometimes you're watching a movie and you're like, you get halfway through like, wait, what happened to that other guy? Yeah. Like, that I feel like, because then you're like trying to guess like, oh, maybe he's going to come at the end and then he just doesn't show up anymore. Yeah. You're like, wait, just that loose was, ends. I like that. What, <laughs> yeah. what happened to it? Yeah. And oh, a lot of time that happens. And that's what's nice about doing your own. Yeah. Uh, project because that happens a lot in Hollywood because you have the director with a vision who took a screenwriter's vision, put it to screen, but then he's got to send it to the editor and then the editor sends it to the studio and the studio goes, ah, we need to chop 20 minutes off yeah, of this. Yeah. And then you start making cuts and they don't realize they're cutting out context. <laughs> so. that, that's why I think uh, I like listening to, so Chris Gethard does a, a interview podcast that's Beautiful Anonymous. Uh, he literally interviews random people and like they, he puts out a tweet says, "Hey, I'm ready. Call and whoever gets through, you know, they go through his producers, make sure everything sounds good, or whatever. And then whoever gets through, he just talks to him for an hour. You got an hour, and then at the hour mark, the phone call just shuts off for the most part. Sometimes he goes a little bit longer, but he does it live sometimes because he's a comedian, so he'll do it before his comedy shows. And I like that part of it. Like if if I were ever to do this live, like because he does a hashtag." So people can tweet questions or comments during the interview. And I think that's good, too, because sometimes I'm interviewing people or talking to people, and I'll think of a question. I'm like, oh, that's good. And then we start talking, and I forget. Or I just, I just don't, you know, I don't want to go back 10 minutes to when you <laughs> talked about this thing, right? Right. So having these other people, like, listening and be like, oh, you should ask about this or ask about this. Or why did the person say, like, all these thing, other things that these other people, like, without shouting out and, inter- and interrupting audio – uh, they can just like tweet this thing and you can read it and and like oh that's a good question thanks you know in real time whoever whoever yeah yeah, yeah. I just think that's a, that's a such a good idea and and, and I forget I forget why I'm telling you this uh, maybe it's because like when you're going through through your process and stuff like being able to pull from all these other communities or all these other places as opposed to like all right we shot this music show this is what we're gonna do now like much like the interview is a little easier now it's a little easier. If you have all these things to incorporate into a movie, it's a little easier that way because yeah. you can go all these other directions. Well, yeah, and that way everything has purpose, and that's what I think makes a good movie versus just a film that, you know, just shows you things for yeah. <laughs> you know x amount of time. Uh, I, I always thought that was the biggest difference, especially in the first like the Infinity Saga of Marvel. Mm-hmm. The reason that their films were so good versus some of what DC was putting out was that. So Marvel is like, all right, here's the big action sequence. Here's the big fight. Now we're going to work backwards and tell what got us here uh, and what those characters went through 
and how they how it changed them before, how it changed them after. And it's like because the real story is in characters, no matter what the story is. Otherwise, every explosion in a film means nothing. Yeah, yeah. you know. And as I say, less is more. I'm like action sequences are great, but you still have to have some kind of story in there. Mm-hmm. And so that's for me. I was like, well, if we think about our release show as the climax, like where it all led, we got to go. But how did it get there? And so you work backwards in the storytelling, and then it, and then, and that's that's a big um, thing as to uh, the way Shakespeare would write, which I loved. Uh, I mean, the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, he spoils exactly how it's going to end. Two star-crossed lovers, and he essentially says that they're going to die for each other's love because their families hate each other. Spoiler alert! And yeah, well, yeah. If you, ever, if you don't know Romeo and Juliet by now, <laughs> between the actual original and, and then the, the film, movies. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, they tell you right off the bat in the first mm-hmm. opening, and and there's some movies that do that really well, um, and shows uh, like, and I won't spoil this because it's a little more recent but white lotus uh season one. Oh yes they yeah. show you out of context yeah the ending yep but you don't know who and what and why that, and what? so then yeah. they tell you here's the whole story and so there's always that like little like ticking time bomb in the back of your head yeah. but you get enough into the story you forget that you even saw the ending yeah. and so then once it gets there you go oh <laughs> season two did that too yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. they were great yes and Great examples of that, and that's why I did with our documentary. It's like, all right, you got to show people right off the bat, why should I care? Mm-hmm. So immediately it opens with you introducing us for the first show, and you get a whole room of people that are going nuts for it, right? Yeah. So then right off the bat, you're like, why are all these people care about this thing that I'm about to watch? Now I need to care. Um, and I think I told you, because it reminded me of, it's why pro wrestling during the pandemic was so dumb. Oh, because there's no fans. There's no crowd. Yeah. And I was like, when you eliminate that, yeah. then nobody's telling you that you should care about it too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was like, by opening them with a scene of uh, everybody in a sold out show, and then it cuts, you know, to interview. It's like, yeah. wait, what was that? And so now we're going to tell you the story of how it got there. And so it gets there eventually, but, and then there's the epilogue kind of thing that comes after the show, and which, you know, was essentially our show spawning over a dozen shows since then. Yeah, then I was going to bring, I'm glad you brought that up. So the Listening Loft, which is uh, above Levi and Lilac, yep. that had, how many shows have you guys done there now? I think 15 there's yeah. been up there now. Um, and now they all, they've all been, like obviously the music and everything you're doing is as well, but as far as like people coming and wanting to enjoy it. Like, yeah, every single one of them has been a listening uh, experience. I mean, we only had one that was a non-music show, and that was a... That was technically a third party that came in, but I worked with them to help coordinate the room. Um, it was a like a, a local theater dance company oh. that came in and did a show. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was neat because there was even some people that came just for dinner that night yeah. that saw that there was something happening upstairs. And so we actually sold some tickets that were just dinner goers oh, that really? night. And they're That's like, cool. oh, there's a show? And like there was a, <laughs> there was a first date. That came in like they were clearly on their first day. Oh, date. okay. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know them, but I mean, you you definitely got the telltale signs. Yeah. And so they bought uh, tickets to go upstairs. So mind you, the show was really really cool. But if you're not used to like dance theater, like there's a lot less dialogue and it's a lot more implied dialogue. Sure. And so I just kept like watching them on their yeah. first date <laughs> because a like they didn't expect to do this at all until yeah. like the guy was just like trying to impress the girl and he's like yeah that sounds fun don't you think and she's like yeah sure yeah. and so they go up there and i'm just watching and i'm like they're getting into it and then other times they're like what is happening yeah and and, and 
naturally, even if you haven't been to much theater at all, like most people would be like, what is happening? (laughs) And I've done plenty of theater and I sometimes Uh, still go, what's happening? Uh, So (laughs) there's been a lot of, you know, walk-ins if we don't sell out completely because it holds about a hundred up there. Okay. And so most shows sell 75 to 85 tickets. So if we do have any seating available, there's like 10 seats usually. I think 95 is the seating and then we sell some standing room. Um, and since the shows are only about 90 minutes long with a 20 minute intermission in there, snuck in there, it's not much to stand if you have to stand. Did, um, did they come back after the intermission? Yeah, they did. did they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was, well, I guess yeah. neither one of them on a first date is going to be like, okay, I'm good. Right. <laughs> oh, you see that in rom-coms though all the time where, you know, like somebody's like friend picks them up and they're like. I thought they just went to the bathroom. Clearly, <laughs> the date wasn't going well. Yeah, but no, yeah. they, they looked happy, and I All think right. they were probably hungry, though, because they didn't eat first. They uh, walked in thinking they get they were going to eat, and so then they went up, and this thing was like an hour and 20 minutes, and so I was like, oh, man, like my stomach would be telling me yeah. it's time to eat. But wow. yeah, so there's That's yeah cool. 15 shows, and um, uh, the owners just signed on for another year for the lease uh, for the second floor. And so whereas we only did 15 shows so far in – our year essentially ran from March first to through May or through uh, February twenty eighth. So okay. March first uh, starts the new year, um, and by then we'll have sixteen already in the bag. And then we're planning no no less than two shows a month for the next year. So oh, it'll be nice. twenty four shows this year, potentially doing more than that with some one off kind of stuff. Yeah, so. I know. Um, it's it's such a cool like space to be into. Like a it's just like a unique spot to yeah. like be able to see <clears throat> any kind of show really like you can you can do a lot of different stuff up there as long as you can get the people in there like we talked about having a podcast up there we talked about, i think it'd be cool to like have a comedy show up there like there's a lot of things 100%. Now, now i guess that just depends on like what you guys envision that and if it's just going to be like if it's really open to anything i guess you have music and then you had this dance dance uh troop come in you're just thinking like well i guess we can really do anything up here right we're open to anything that we can like contain uh, and still have like a quality control so like we have some groups that got a hold of me that are like like heavy metal hard rock and i'm just like Uh, it's not going to sound good in that room that room is so intimate you're on top of people so i'd almost rather have a comedy show um i talked to a magician about potentially being in there i'm like stuff like that would be really really neat um and obviously doing a live podcast, you know, because that has the same vibe as like a TED Talks, you yeah. know, and I think that'd be a perfect room for that because you truly are, I mean, sitting on top of the entertainment. Uh, so like a hard rock show, <laughs> like just the just the volume alone would blast people out and be uncomfortable yeah. up there. But then, you know, there's still a business on the first floor. So I'm not saying we're making everything like sit around the campfire volume up there, but it's still a really nicely contained I always tell the musicians, I was like, you don't have to crank the amps as much as normal because you're not fighting a bar noise. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everybody's got, you know, you got everybody's here attention. for you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so less is more. Yeah. And then you can't even, there's no food up there. You right. know, like you, it's good because you make a night out of it because you go early, you eat dinner, then you go up there and there's yeah. drinks and stuff, you know. Yeah. You can grab right. your drink from downstairs and we always yeah. tell people just order your wine by the bottle yeah. uh, downstairs. You save money. Plus then you save yourself a trip. Yeah. So. That's why we joked about it because my I was like I think my mom would be a good guest for the podcast because she has so many I know so many people she knows so many people I was like but most of the people she knows are in AA so they wouldn't get a lot of selling a lot of uh, alcoholic drinks that night no no <laughs> so say we'd have to be pushing out a lot of burgers that yeah night. and that's or coffee you said that's, too, right? yeah 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 because yeah, they got the coffee pub and that's um 
that's the biggest thing too is that the the owners have kind of given me to an extent carte blanche of over that uh second floor nice um knowing that i'll put in the time to produce and that you know i'm also putting myself on the line you know so it's and I do a lot of promotion and do the uh, like the video promos and all that leading up to it. Uh, but so, but the the flip is that all right, we make sure the artists get paid really well. I take a little something um, for the you know fifty hours I put into every show, and then they just reap whatever benefits from the first floor sales uh, in their Levi Lilac whiskey room or their coffee pub. Yeah, so yeah. so we hope to at least sell food or drinks or both. You know to the patrons and i said even if half the people come in on a a hundred person night even half of them spend some money down there they're doing pretty good and we do it on tuesday because tuesday is typically a slower night okay we saw that was not the case uh at my documentary sneak peek because they had a just an odd amount of like very not typical uh amount of people come in there on a tuesday night when it was great for them downstairs but then they were just like they weren't really staffed to have because mm-hmm. I told them we were only going to put 50 people up on the top four and we're all going to just, you know, eat beforehand or eat a little bit afterwards. But they, they were busy the whole time downstairs, which was great. I was saying when we were there eating dinner, um, I was looking around like, man, there's a lot of people here for, for Jake's show. And, but, uh, not I, all of them came up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you noticed like, oh, I don't think hardly any of these people are, <laughs> you know, which was great yeah. for them. Yeah. And, for sure. And, and a part of what we do Tuesdays as well is not only is it a slower night typically, but, They've got a parking lot, which is great. That also separates um, from a lot of other venues. They've got yeah. their own parking lot, so it's free parking. And they're in a really nice neighborhood, so if you have to park in one of the neighboring streets, you don't have to worry about walking. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless it's an ice storm. But, you know, other than that, because on the weekend, their downstairs business, you know, sometimes has an hour to two-hour wait. Wow. So they don't really need us to do anything on the weekend. Plus, we're not we're – not, uh, kind of conflicting other people's weekend schedules you know we can there's not a lot of things going on on a tuesday night i say you can do you can people can do a lot of things that way that they can see a lot of stuff and you're right like some uh restaurants and bars they're like hey let's bring in entertainment to bring in people but if you don't need that we're like well when when do we need people yeah you know that's when when you do do it come in yeah yeah Yeah. and that way you know you got the parking lot open to all the guests coming and uh, we've done a couple wednesdays um but it's mainly tuesdays and um yeah, I mean that's that's the plan well. going forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, speaking of plans going forward, you have a plan to offer. Uh, there's going to be a showing uh, to the public. Yeah, we're going to do a back to back showing, I believe, uh, on Tuesday, March 21st, and Wednesday, March 22nd. I believe okay. is the dates. Um, that way, since I got to set up the room, the room's always set up for concert, and obviously, I had to flip the room for the theater. Yeah. Um, aspect because uh, we put a 150 inch theater screen up there with a projector and i put a an unnecessary amount of speakers up there so that <laughs> there was a lot <laughs> but that way i mean it's, people always think more speakers means more sound and i'm like no it's actually less that i have to crank through two speakers yeah. because you, there's an angle for everywhere in the room so you can hear it um but yeah that way since i got to turn the room for that and then turn it back for concerts after that we figured just a back-to-back a tuesday wednesday especially because not everybody can make tuesday nights yeah including guys in my own band that couldn't you know attend that wanted to see it they've a lot of times are hung up on tuesdays so wednesday we figure uh, we'll put um in coinciding with uh, my buddy rick caswell caswell and company plays every other wednesday on v- at village idiot uh-huh. 
So since most of the guys in that band were my band, yeah, they'll be able to come to the documentary and then just go down the street to play their gig. Oh, nice. Okay. So they're already there. Yeah. And then what happens with a lot of these shows is that you know we do the after hours to meet and greet with artists after shows typically, and because Levi Nyx typically closes at nine o'clock. Sometimes they'll stay open later till ten, but Village Idiot then open till. They won. Mm. So a lot of times people will have the after party and then they'll do the after after party at Village Idiot, <laughs> which they love because sure. they're not always busy on a Tuesday night. Yeah. So then they get more people flooding in there. So yeah. that's just kind of become the unsung <laughs> or the unspoken thing that happens on, yeah. tu- on Tuesday nights. So where, where uh, can people get tickets for this? Um, so I will. The best way to go is uh, the Real JP Facebook, um, okay. which is just facebook.com slash Real JP Multimedia, and that's R E E L, like film reel. Yep. Um, I'll have, I post all the events through there. Okay. Uh, and so um, I'll probably start putting the tickets on sale for that probably, probably Friday, March 3rd, I'm guessing. Um, either that or that following Monday. Uh, and for this one, I'll probably set up through Eventbrite. Okay. Since we're doing two shows back to back, that'll help me separate the two uh, and put a limit because we limit, I think, fifty-five seats for the theater set okay. up there. That way, nobody has a bad seat. Might be able to push a few more because I think we're going to change some things around again. But yeah, that'll just be for the documentary showing, um, and it's probably be like seven, eight bucks. Like it's more about you know just getting people there and yeah. um, celebrating this thing that with the support of people and then the guys, you know, involved in it all put together. Um, because this will be the only way to see it in a theatrical setting. Cause I'm in the process of, uh, working out how we're going to put it out for streaming. Yeah. Um, it's like Vivio. I initially was going to go through Amazon on prime and put it on prime video. It's a longer process. So it might be a good six months to a year before I can get it on there. But in the meantime, there'll be a handful. That'll be, you know, four or five bucks. You can watch it at home. Uh, and eventually we'll put it, for free on something eventually yeah. but by then it'll be old news so <laughs> <laughs> well it's a uh, I, I think it, it is one of those things like it's like it's an evergreen thing right it's not like it's you know, the only thing that isn't evergreen on that is the music because it's right. but even then people listen to music all the time but right. but the music has been out for a while but uh, but people know about that but it's it's very little about the music and i think that's what's cool about it i had a great time andrew really liked it too it was cool to see all that and knowing how much work like that goes into that kind of stuff and you know how much i mean it's been a year since you filmed the yeah. the the release cd release right so understanding all that work you put in and everything and everything leading up to it it was cool to be there for that showing and to see everything and the film's awesome so if you get a chance to get tickets you know i'll i'm, I'm sure i'll share it on nerd ball and in my personal page so get it if you get a chance to buy tickets it's really cool go early they got awesome burgers at mm-hmm. levi and lilac um, so so go early get some dinner there but free parking and you can eat dinner you can yeah. have drinks and then go see a movie all in the same place yeah yeah <laughs> it's, yeah just walk up some stairs it's yeah. it's an awesome spot uh what are they doing with that truck that that oh the old Degage yeah, truck. yeah yeah it's just chilling there i saw that when i was oh there. my gosh it's such a it's such an odd thing i guess the landlord because the landlord, the guy that owns the building, is the uh, he's got his business on the third floor, it's okay. a financial office, and um, he he's the one that opened Degage, uh. um, and so that's technically his truck, but they don't really have any use for it. I don't think I don't think it even has plates on it at this point. Yeah. So when they do use it, I think it's just for 
moving furniture or something down the street. I yeah. don't know. It hasn't it's, been moved in a while. There's no. been chilling on flat tires for a while. Yep. So. Yep. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just curious. You usually can't get far with flat <laughs> no, tires. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. Well, yeah. Um, please be on the lookout for that. Like you said, Real JP Multimedia Facebook on Facebook. R E E L J P. Um, and again, I can't recommend it enough. It was awesome. Well, thanks uh, for being a part of it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It, w- it was cool to again to to see myself on there, and you know, even though I sounded like. Hey Kyle, my life, my life. Is well, <laughs> there no, but there was also some you know, know, good real time footage of you. That I mean, a lot of that was the comic relief, uh, which is obviously needed when you're talking about you know going through a pandemic and all sorts of stuff like that. <laughs> it right. was it was cool to see all those different spots in there too. So yeah, uh, but but yeah, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Um, again, make sure to. to, to get tickets to that because it's it's i'm sure they're going to sell out so make sure you get tickets as soon as you see the link because uh, it's it's going to be a good time so thanks for coming on the podcast one bite everybody knows the rules <laughs> how long have you been waiting to say that <laughs> i just thought of it okay, okay. <laughs> all right bye thanks again to my guest jake paluski for coming on the podcast uh again please i say it in the podcast i say at the beginning buy tickets to this event you will not be disappointed uh, it is a great documentary to watch. It's not just about his music. It's about the surrounding community, uh, the, all the bandmates, all the people in the community, in his in his circle. It's, it's a really good film. So I had a great time watching it. Uh, I appreciate him coming on and, and talking all about it, going through in-depth details on what it takes to make this movie and, and you know the changes that were made and who's in it and that kind of stuff. So uh, please, please, when you see tickets, check it out. And, you know, Levi Lilac's an awesome restaurant. It's got a... They got great burgers. I say it multiple times because I've had a lot of their burgers there. Um, so you, you pick one and you won't be disappointed. So uh, go check that out when the, when tickets come out. Check, uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash realjp uh, multimedia, R-E-E-L-J-P. So check that out. Uh, and now, as always, you know, we're recording here in uh, Fort Meigs CrossFit Studios. Uh, there have been great partners with me here, allowing me to come use their office space, uh, and it, it's, it's making. I think it's making an impact on on guests. There, I like to have a professional look, and, and they've really helped me there. So, they got offer classes for all ages, all, uh, seven days a week, all skill levels. Check out FortMegsCrossFit.com. As always, thanks to Cuttlefish Graphics for the logo, Real JP Multimedia for all the help they've done on the podcast, uh, Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab and Big Daddy Graphics. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.